0: welcome back another episode of cap and trade mm-hmm. episode 53 got a uh, mr. dj b of espn will be joining us here shortly but as always, I am your guest, Texans Cap. You can follow me on Twitter at Texans Cap. This is the Cap and Trade YouTube show. I also do a little bit of writing over on my Substack. You can check that out at capandtrade.substack.com. So we got a lot to get to tonight. And like I said, uh, DJ will be joining us here momentarily. But just a lot, you know, continuation of what we've been talking about the past couple of weeks, especially with D'Amico Ryan's being hired on. And now we're at the point of looking at coaching staff and, and uh, what direction this team's going to go with the coaching staff. And it seems that they're going to really be uh, really take their time on this one. Um, by all accounts, you know, they've only conducted just a few interviews and have many more to come. So, you now it doesn't look like they're in any, in any hurry and doesn't appear like they may be trying to zone in on anybody beyond Bobby Slowick that may be in the play or, you know, from the from the San Francisco squad, and then doesn't really seem to be keen in on anybody that's in the in the Super Bowl. So, at this point, the team looks like they can really take their time and uh, you know really, really do some in depth interviews and make sure that they find the right fits for D'Amico versus trying to trying to build something by name brand. It looks like they really just want to pick the guys that that really fit what they're looking to do and fit the culture and fit the systems that they want to deploy and things like that. So. It's, uh, you know, it's exciting time and, you know, it's good to see them good to see them kind of picking from different buckets across the league. Right. So, um, that part's really interesting to me. I, you know, I think it was kind of easy just to default that he would just pick people from, you know, try to pick off of the jet squad or the the 49ers coaching staff, things like that, because that was, you know, has a lot of ties to him and, and the systems that he runs or, you know, or may want to run, but mm-hmm. They really seem to be venturing out and taking a look. Excuse me, across the league of what would really work in Houston, who would work really well with D'Amico, who would work really well with Nick Casario. It seems to be a very collaborative process, and that's what we heard a lot during the uh, during the initial press conference. And so that part's you know it's pretty exciting for me as well to to hear that. You know, and I it, I've never seen Nick quite as loose as we saw him during that initial press conference with D'Amico. So that part, you know, is, is good to see, you know, and I don't know what that says about the previous staff, previous administration, things like that, but he's really, really, really seems pretty content with this, with this coaching hire. And that part is, is good to see, you know, I was kind of leery. I didn't know how he really felt about D'Amico, but, you know maybe that first and second interview really sealed the deal with Nick i i, I can, by all accounts it seems like the McNairs were one really kind of driving that ship to begin with and now that Casario's on board and ready to go it looks like it could be a could be a very good a strong duo between the two of them so good to see everybody in uh see we got Ryan i don't know how you got in here but you did so we'll we'll, we'll check your key card before that Jim good to see you Gridiron, as always, good to see you. Beige, yeah, welcome in, bud. Good to see you again. But uh, DJ's getting loaded up; he'll be on with us in just a few seconds. So STX, you're right; looks like he's ready to go. So STX caps been watching for a while. First time commenting, killing it, man. I appreciate the appreciate the support. Yeah, digging up the the contract video on on Tunsil. So yeah, if you didn't get a chance to check that out um, last Wednesday, we did. A real deep dive into Laramie Tunsil and and a contract extension. So you know, go back and check the feed after the show's over, and and you can take a look at that. We did a, did a really built a full contract out for him to kind of explanatory things on how that how that extension will work. So definitely take a look at that. So all right, so let's go ahead and bring in Mister DJ here, get him joined into the uh, to the show, Let me get things swapped around here, DJ. Hey, how you doing? I'm good, man. How are you doing? I'm chilling, man. I'm
1: chilling, man. Uh, I just got
0: back from uh, Phoenix. Long. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I remember you were saying you were flying back today. Made it back just in time.
1: Yeah, I actually got back to my apartment at eight thirty.
0: Oh goodness, man, we cut it close, then didn't we? Yeah. Y'all yeah, yeah, did, but
1: it's all good though.
0: Yeah, no, I appreciate the time, sir. Thank you for uh, for joining me tonight. Discuss a little bit of what's going on with the Texans, and you know, just just right off the top, you know, you. You've been here you've been covering the team now for for 8 months now and right. you know it's I've I've really enjoyed your your coverage on the team and the kind of the fresh the fresh air takes that you have it's it's not the not the kind of group think kind of way of style for you you kind of seem to have a really your own individual uh attitude towards things and aspects on things so I mean how how are you enjoying Houston so far you're 8 months in
1: uh, I mean I love living in Houston Houston is a beautiful place for a guy like me. I can't complain, you know. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm just blessed overall across the board. I mean, I really enjoy working with the Houston Texans, you know, covering them. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, the PR stack makes, like, life pretty easy to maneuver and get stories and things like that. Um, They're just good people to deal with overall. Um, The players are cool. Um, I was able to build some really good relationships, do some really cool stories, like, you know, obviously the general peachy one. Um, because that one comes to mind. Obviously, you know, I did not want Derek Stingley about you know just him um, having been kind of battle tested for the NFL, having you know played practice against guys like Demar Chase and Justin Jefferson, and then and games going against guys like Devonta Smith and CeeDee Lamb and so forth and so forth. So that was pretty cool, man. Um, and then so forth and so forth. So I'm really enjoying it. Uh, I'm just glad overall though that they picked a coach that energizes the fan base. Um, Cause you know, I mean, you went to games and you saw how just sometimes dead the the stadium felt, you know, week, week to week basis, you know, after like week one, like I want to say like week six or whatever, like it was just kind of.
0: Yeah. When the yeah. opponents, when the opponent's jerseys out, outran- outnumber your jerseys <laughs> in the stadium, it gets a little rough. And it, it, it was pretty dreadful there, especially the back end of the season. And, you know, maybe like you said, this will be, this is step one of energizing the fan base and hopefully this starts getting fans back to the stadium and season tickets start getting booked up again and things like that and get back to the, to the sold out stadium ways that we, many of us are so accustomed to, to seeing. It's not just, it's still hard to this day to see the stadium, you know, semi empty like that, but yeah, talking about D'Amico Rhines, and I know it's been kind of a, a week long honeymoon fanfare for him and it's, still it's almost kind of still surreal for me to see it actually truly happen. You know, as was mm-hmm. last year he was on the, you know, he was doing a few interviews and realized, you know, decided it wasn't the best time for him. And all season long, once people started realizing Lovey Smith, wasn't the long-term solutions, everybody was already kind of baking into to D'Amico as an option. And myself personally, I just, I, I had trouble seeing it actually happen. I, I didn't really think it would really come to fruition like this. And it's really, Really surreal to see it. It's great to see the fans energized about it. And the part that's really cool to me is the players and how how exciting. I mean, I've never seen this amount of feedback from from uh, from the players themselves when it comes to a head coach hire.
1: Hmm. Yeah, nah. Uh, as, as we said, you know, the, right now in a honeymoon stage, and it's that again re-energizing the fan base. I think that's what is not obviously most important, but that's really cool to see. I think whenever they get their next quarterback, it's only going to further energize them, and I can already imagine those training camp practices are going to have a boatload of energy day in and day out. Because again, I, as I told people before, last year during training camp, it just felt like it, like there was no energy there for the most part. Like yeah, fans showed up, but like it didn't feel like the fans had much to truly cheer about. You know, like yeah. So now that they're going to have their the new head coach new quarterback of the future, some weapons to go with that quarterback. Um uh, uh enter, like an uh, energized bunny in the Miko Ryan's so who's gonna energize the team offensively, defensively, and that's gonna be able to feed off into the into the crowd um during training camp Because training camp is one of my favorite times of the year. Yeah. Because you get to see what the team really looks like. Cause for the most part, like things do change a little bit throughout the year. But for the most part, like the people that stand out in training camp. But team was like in training camp for the most part is what you're actually going to see throughout the season. Like, because you know, that's why we really follow a lot of reports. One example is, um, you know, the Patriots in training camp, you kept hearing that the offense looks look, looks really, cl- you know, it looks really funky. You know, yeah,
0: it's, it's, like, you know, it's yeah.
1: Right. It's, it doesn't look like there's a good synergy. The offense, the passing attack specifically does not look good. And then we saw throughout the year, Mac Jones had a massive regression, right? Same with, like, you know, the Texans. Where I, I was saying, like the defense actually might be able to hold up a little bit, especially in the pass, in the past game, and we saw that they were the one, they were the only team in the NFL that finished more interceptions than touchdowns allowed.
0: Right. Now the
1: rush defense, it was what it was. But again, like even during training camp, you saw Damian Pierce consistently making plays. You saw Cooks making plays. So like some of those things translated over. So I'm really that. That's probably my favorite. That's probably my most, you know, excited to see. This uh, upcoming season. Now, obviously, you know I'm kind of ahead of myself. We still got the draft. We still got free agency. But um, you know, we still got he still has to assemble his staff. So you know, there's a ways away. But you know, I like to sometimes think you know, look way down the line. Oh
0: yeah, no, it's it's easy it's easy to make that jump down that way. And and you know, he's he's so infectious. And you, I think that's what we were talking about right before you got on here was the coaching staff and how they're really kind of taking their time and they're not honing in just on San Francisco or, or any of the two teams that are in the, in the Super Bowl, And they really, really seem to be taking their time, really diving deep into potential options across the league. You know, we things have gotten a little quiet on the offensive coordinator side of things. I don't know if that's a sign that, you know, slowick is more or less a shoot in for the job, but the defensive side has been really interesting. You know, one name I wanted to talk to you about was uh, Mark Manuel from the jets. If you, had any information on him from your time up there covering them. I think he may have only crossed over for one year up there, but you know, him and then, you know, we saw Chris Harris get an interview, even though he got announced to the Titans as their, uh, and their staff, but that would be a, a promotion if, if Houston were to offer him the defensive coordinator job, so he could still slide over that. And then the news came down just as of late with Matt Burke out of Arizona, going to be a requested for an interview as well. So, out of those three names on the defensive side, do you have any initial thoughts?
1: Um, I would say, like, if I had to pick – I mean, Burke has been in D.C. before. I remember he was with Miami. Everybody yeah. knows that, you know, I'm a yeah. Miami Dolphins fan. But yeah. I remember him with Miami. I think he was on the – he wasn't on the Adam Gay staff, so he had to be the staff before that. So I had to be the Joe Philbin staff. Um, I mean, those years, you know, Philbin really had a really good staff. The, the defenses, they, weren't, they were never elite, but, like, they were always, for the most part, pretty sound. Um, you know, granted, he had some really good players to work with um, most those few years. I think he had Cameron Wigg. He had Rashad, uh, Rashad Jones. He had Brent Grimes. So I know that um, he can build a defense to, like, accentuate a guy like Derek Stingley's ability. Same with Jalen Petrie. because Jalen Petrie kind of reminded me a little bit of Rashad Jones, where he's just more of that playmaking type safety that's around the box, that can play deep, that can make, play, that's gonna make plays on the ball, which Jalen Petrie did. Uh, Marquardt Manuel Manual. Yeah, we crossed over for about one year, but I was like, you know, be able, be able to build a decent relationship with him because he, uh, he's from Miami. So he actually you knows my high school. Apparently, he knows my high school coach oh. that I played under. But, um, you know, he's a really good teacher. That's one thing that I, I peeped, that he knows how to communicate um, what he wants to teach the guy. Because, you know, it's easy to tell somebody to do this at this moment, but he's really good at being able to break it down in a way that is digestible for players, especially young players. Um, older guys you know they, they've heard a lot they kind of are who they are as players so they already kind of seen a lot they just need a little bit of guidance. but you know young players they're very they need to be developed. you know they're basically like a mold of clay and he's really good at forming them into the way that they need to be um i know it says safety coach but he worked with the defensive back he worked with basically all the defensive back he worked with some of the corner the slot cornerbacks corners were outside corner was strictly tony Oden, but he for sure worked with some of the nickelbacks um, corners like Michael, uh, Michael Carter II, who was one of the better nickel, um, nickel cornerbacks in the entire NFL this past season. I know you know Sauce and DJ Reed get a lot of praise, but yeah. Michael Carter II had a very good year, especially in the slot. Um, so he's really good at developing younger guys. And now him as an entire DC, I can't really speak to that because you know that's a completely different role. Like you're orchestrating, you know, blitz packages. You're orchestrating. Making sure everybody's in unison from the D line to linebackers to obviously, um, to obviously you know secondary. Right. But a funny nugget though is Marquand Manuel. So the Jets hosted you know they they coached the Senior the Senior Bowl last year, right? So Marquand Manuel worked directly with Jalen Petrie because Jalen Petrie's on you know oh. yes yeah, so he worked directly with him. And i there was times I don't know how I say this but you know it's been over a year, you know, yeah. but. I sat in on a couple of those meetings. Um, okay. so I, you know, I saw him kind of coach up Petrie and things like that. Um, and it, you could you could see that synergy, that vibe that he can have with younger players. So yeah, now he was um, you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be against hiring him. He he remembers my face, I remember his face. You know, <laughs> we both from the same area, so I wouldn't have any issues with yep. Mark Ron Manuel being the DC. Um, so you know, that's kind of that.
0: Yeah, and then we saw, you know, Matt Burke, like you mentioned, he's he's been around a few places, and you know, coming out of Arizona, maybe uh, maybe JJ Watt has something to say. Look like maybe from Hard Knocks, Matt Burke might have been one of the ones orchestrating the the little goodbye video for JJ as well that we saw. So, but yeah, I mean, it's it, no big flashy names per se, you know, but I, I don't think that's truly needed. I think you just need to find the right coaches that are willing to install this the same culture and the same right. attitude that and the same, you know, the same message to your to your locker room. If that that is a, a cohesive message across the staff, then that's what you're really looking for. And by all accounts, I think D'Amico's gonna be able to deliver that. He just needs to to follow through 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 the rest of his way down. But and hopefully I don't know if you've heard anything on Frank Ross or not. I think pretty much most of the fan base, including myself, hopes that he's still around. Because that you know the special teams unit, regardless of what you may think about it, they were a top three unit all year yeah. long. And, yeah. and there's no reason why they shouldn't retain him at this point.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the special team unit, like, you could always count on Fairbanks to knock his, to make his kicks. And obviously, you he know, quietly
0: was a very good kicker this year.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah. Cause, you know, at a certain point, you know, that was the only, you know, a lot of offense that they could get, you
0: know, they could generate yeah. <laughs> throughout yeah. the year. But,
1: uh, you know, he did his thing. Um, the punting game was pretty good. I I don't I don't I don't really recall. I saw the, like one game where they kind of got you know they gave a, a punt return. I, I believe that was against the uh, Browns. that's the only I can actually remember.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was against the Browns. Um People's Jones took it back to the crib. But mm. that's about it. You know, they, they're pretty solid in that. And on top of it on kickoff returns, like how many times did they give a big kickoff return? And they forced multiple turnovers on kickoff. I remember they forced one against the Colts. And they forced to against somebody else. I can't remember it right now. I think it, it might have been against the Chargers. I know it was MJ Stewart who forced it. Yep. Um, it could have been his Chargers game. I know it was for sure home game. It might have been MJ Stewart. It was MJ Stewart. It probably was the Chargers. But again, like, we saw them make plays. Like, you didn't. You could always count on the special teams unit coming through against, uh, you know, against, you know, week in and week out. You know, I, I would say that the special team unit played a big part in them getting their first win against the Jaguars. Yep. There were times where you know, the offense was kind of sputtering or, like, they would move the ball, but they would get close to midfield and then they would punt and then they would keep it within the five, keep it within the ten, and then force the Jaguars to go all the, you know, drive the entire length. You know, that's just hard to do for most teams. I Eventually, mean, they'll make a mistake, as we saw in that game where Trevor Lawrence, you know, threw a pick to Derrick Stingley Jr. in the red zone. Well, yeah, yeah in the end zone, actually. So, yeah, now, Fred Ross was, uh, he, he did a marvelous job this past season.
0: So speaking on, you know, players on this on the team currently on the roster, you know, they only have 50 players under under contract at this year. But, you know, maybe specifically talking towards the 2022 draft class, maybe even picking into the 21 draft class, you know, what kind of what players do you think? And we don't know what schemes are going to be run yet, per se, but what players do you think stand to gain with this new new whatever coaching staff comes in, especially with D'Amico D'Amico Ryan's on the defensive side of things?
1: Oh, I mean, I I think scheme-wise, we kind of they're gonna run this. uh like, defense. They're gonna run the same scheme that uh, wide nine and with the Niners, it's gonna be basically the same scheme that the Jets run. Uh, that's why I have some familiarity with that. Okay. And then, obviously, if they hire Bobby uh, Slowick to be the OC, they're gonna run you know the Couch Shanahan West Coast you know West Coast offense.
0: Right. Well, so, um, so given you know, just using those two as our as our placeholder schemes, then
1: right, right, right.
0: What, so I, think, what kind of which players do you think would? are looking that could continue on their growth, whether it's Petrie or somebody who could take a big step forward?
1: Yes, I would say Petrie without question. Um, I would also say um, Derek Stingley Jr., Stephen Nelson, um, because what they're really good at, well, those two corners specifically, they're really good at bump and run and and playing press coverage. And one thing that this scheme does is they may make life really easy for cornerbacks, not to say Like the job is easy, but like they take a lot of pressure off of them because they don't really ask them to do too much. You're gonna see them in either man, you're gonna see them in cover three, quarter, quarter half, and in, and and in, in quarters. That's that's basically it. Um, and they're gonna coach them up to the point where you know they're gonna know not exactly what to expect, but as long as they study and they do their part, you know do that aspect, um, they have a really good feel because the coaches are gonna coach them up and prep them for these situations, so they'll be able to know when certain things are coming so they can play it better. Because that's one thing that Sauce and DJ Reed were able to do in New York at a high level is they knew they – and they knew they didn't have the coverage for long because they had a ferocious D-line. Now, obviously, you know, the Texan D-line is not what the Jets had. But um, if they can add a couple more pieces – because it's not like, you know, the the Texan D-line is just a wasteland. Like, you had Hughes who had basically 10 sacks. You had Oboe. Who finished with five sacks in his last eight starts? We know what Canard can do. Had eight and 21 uh, in 12 games in 2021. So we know that D line has some talent. They gotta add a little bit more, of course. But um, I think that you know, once they improve that, it's only gonna help the cornerbacks. And again, with the D line, like it's strictly, I the D line, I that's just I already know what they're gonna say. It's all about knockback, pushing line scrimmage backwards, and sh- shooting up field. Here's some some defensive schemes the DNs and some of the D tackles, they have to like re you know, uh I think I don't I think it's called reblock, but either way where like they'll engage and read what's what's going on versus right. where and this system, to my knowledge, it's okay, we want the D linemen to shoot up field and then we have the linebackers replace them and and um, oh, replace that's... the gaps that they create, you know? Okay. So yeah.
0: Yeah, so it it's takes, takes a lot of it takes a lot of lane lane and gap discipline on the linebackers, which is something this team has sorely lacked, unfortunately.
1: Agreed, agreed, completely agreed. There, no arguments there. <laughs> um, so you know, I know I kind of went on a, a little bit of a tangent, know, but good. um, so Stingley, Gennard, Petrie, I think Stephen Nelson play at the same level he was playing at this past year. He played at a very good level. Now, if we go to the offensive side, I would say that you know I've talked to um some players that feel that. The West Coast scheme makes the tackles life a lot easier, so I would say we can expect Tunsil to play at an even better level. Specifically in the run game, we expect, expect him to play at an even higher level. Same with Titus Howard because they're really, you know, they're really athletic, and obviously they're really good in pass protection. Like we, we we saw what they did. Now, one player that I would say would have to, this scheme could cause some issues. For them, is uh, is Kenyon Green, not because Kenyon Green doesn't have a talent. I think he has a talent. Um, he's just going to have to make sure he gets his physical physique the way it needs to be because they require very athletic, agile, offensive linemen that can, that are you know, that the lateral quickness is on point, play in and play out. Because, you know, when they run the outside zone scheme, you're going to have to really reach to go get, whether it's replace that, you know, replace that, Defensive tackle, or if you're gonna to have to work up to get to that linebacker, right? You know, because this past season, I mean, they ran a little bit of that, but a lot of it was more regular, you know, um, gap blocking schemes. Which can't Green can do that at a very high level. So yeah. that obviously that's that next step for him and his maturation, um, just so he can be able to do that at a good enough level, and then obviously he has to get better pass pro. Um, so at the receiver spot, I think Pierce. It you don't know, matter what scheme you put him, he's gonna eat.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm curious to see how he if he's able to continue on in a zone scheme if that fits his running style or not. I mean he's, he'll, he'll, he'll he'll be
1: just fine because Pierce yep. he he he's one gap and go. Um right yeah one cut and go and then uh, on receiver um I'm really interested to see this because yeah, I'm really interested to see this because Nico Collins is more of a 50-50 you know yeah more of a 50-50 guy. Yep. That doesn't necessarily work in the West Coast scheme unless you have the lateral quickness to get in and out of your breaks and separate, um, which he, he showed flashes of being able to do that. You know, again, you know his one touchdown pass against the Gi- touchdown catch, one of them against the Giants. He basically ran a slow goal and he created massive separation mm-hmm. for that touchdown. So it's not like he can't do it. You got to be able to do it at a high enough level. That's kind of why you know Denzel Mims with New York he kind of faded away because he's not really that much of a separator. Um, that's not really his game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really interested to see that. Obviously, you know, Cook stays, he he's he's a he's an easy fit with this game. And he's right, he, he's played in it in uh with, with the LA Rams, because obviously McVay is from the Kyle Shanahan tree. So they still gotta add um at that position regardless Yeah. whether they keep Cooks or not, because um, you know, there's a very specific type of like they they prefer separators mm-hmm. who can separate um verti- not vertically, horizontally, you know, can be able to create those that space. To, you know get into that window because you know obviously it's a timing based offense which obviously most offenses are timing based but they really like harp on that like you got to be at a specific spot um within the the time within the timing of a quarterback's drop back you know what I'm saying so like if a quarterback is trying to hit like a dig um about like, 15 yards when he hits that back foot let's say on a step you got he's throwing it to a specific spot you know that's basically what you saw in Miami the two tongue of a loaf in that offense, where everything was basically timing, rhythm, timing, rhythm. When Tua got to a certain yeah. spot, he threw the, the ball was coming out, which is why you know you kind of saw them have issues in December once teams started to disrupt that Yeah, daily
0: yeah, really- with with Chargers just took away yeah. the middle of the field completely away from him, and it just threw threw him off big time.
1: Exactly. So I'm really you know so those are some of the little things that I that yeah. I you know been able to disseminate from just that that scheme overall on both sides i actually have a book that talks about the West Coast, like the Kyle Shanahan West Coast offense. So I'll be, I, you know, I bought it for last season when I, thought I was thought I'm gonna cover the
0: Jets. Mm-hmm. Obviously,
1: cover the Texans. So now, you know, obviously, I can't run, run away from that tree. So I'll be back uh, reading that book again.
0: You What's know? the name of the book?
1: Man, I, I it's, it's by this one dude named Bobby Peters, but it's basically like he goes through the majority of the plays that they ran throughout the year, and then like he he explains what he thinks was supposed to happen or how it's supposed to unravel things of that nature. But apparently everybody that I've talked to that know about him in that book, they've all raved about him. Like people that, <clears throat> people that um, were on those coaching staffs, they've raved about him. So I would say that the book's pretty accurate, but I have to, you know, I'll DM it to you and let you
0: know what it looks like. Show really you. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I mean, I, you touched on a lot there and I think there's plenty of names that, on this roster that should benefit from this scheme. Like you said, it definitely, the secondary definitely was Stingley. We saw him being out of place last year, but the wide receiver core is something that, and that's a, a very good point that I think it's going to be interesting to watch, to see how they handle the cook situation. I think majority, at least from the fan base side are just ready to just, you know, go ahead and make the trade, probably take pennies on the dollar and, and move on. They'd, from what I can tell, most of the fans did not like his back and forth mentality and then, you know, just didn't seem like he wanted to be here at the end of the season. And if that's the case, you know, that's that's fine and move on. I just don't know I think the sentiment is is he would do well, I think, in this in this scheme. I think he would be very successful. Like you said, he's a he still has speed, he still has ways, he's a very good route runner and he can he would excel in this system, but I'm just not entirely sure the fan base would like to see him back around. So we'll see what happens between D'Amico and this staff and Brandon cooks, but Nico Collins is somebody that that's the same questions I had is how is his, his skill set, How is it going to fit into this system? And, you know, you, you would hope that they just would find a way to, to find his place within this system, you know, whether it's at the first second set or the second level in the receiving game, and, you know, we saw with Lance airline with his mock draft, he had, he had sent Jalen Hyatt, Hyatt to to Houston in his mock draft because he was a separator, kind of that Will Fuller type right. speed burner. And that's, you know, that if if Brandon Cooks is moved off of this team, they really don't have anybody with that type of speed. You know, and if, you know, if Mechie comes back, which is, you know, sounds like the prognosis mm-hmm. is good for him, but, it, you know, it's hard to still count on that being out of football for a year. But So this team definitely needs a lot of help in the wide receiver department and Free agency, which is something we'll dabble and delve in here in a minute. Free agency at wide receivers is, is pretty bleak, so yeah, no, they're either going to have to, uh, you know, whether it's facilitating a trade or, you know, really getting heavy into the position in the draft. So they'll have to figure out something there. But there's the the other other player would be, would curious to see how they what direction they go at linebacker. You know, keep mm. Christian Kirksey here. You know his. His salary and cap charge is pretty low, but he, he, I think, what he turns 31 this year. And do they, can Christian Harris play that middle linebacker position? Or is it something that they would, you know, move, move, release Kirksey and then try to reinvest back into the position? There's a, a pretty strong linebacker group, both in the draft and in free agency this year. So, do you have any, any initial thoughts on Harrison Kirksey at linebacker? Hmm.
1: I think uh, Harris can be a, a, um, a quality little backer in this scheme since a lot of it is, you know, kind of going east and west. Mm-hmm. Um, and they really value guys that can cover ground, um, whether it's through zone, obviously in the pass game and in a run game, right? Because if, you know, you have your D-line, this is specifically in a run game, if you have a D-line causing havoc and, you know, basically shooting gaps and get trying to get up field, um, that's going to, you know, kind of muddy up. It's going to muddy up some things. And so like the guy bounces, you got to be able to run by bounce. You got to be able to get him. Um, you know, obviously this past year, we all know his, 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 um, ability to consistently do his run fits, execute his run fits was inconsistent, but you know, he, he missed half of the season, um, with his hamstring injury. And then, you know, he was, uh, he's a rookie. So, you know, it's a lot to learn. Um, and, you know, apparently like the linebacker scheme for linebackers in the Levy-Smith, Levy-Smith system can be a little difficult, can be a little taxing for especially on a young player because they just
0: require a lot out of them. Yeah, so, they're not all Brian Erlacher.
1: Yeah, you know, it's not Brian, all Brian Erlacher Brian and uh, um, Lance Briggs.
0: Yeah, you know. yeah. So,
1: um, and they obviously with Curtsy. I think Curtsy's a solid veteran. I, you know, I don't. I don't think that they really need to move off of him. If they want to add one more linebacker. That's fine. I don't think they need to
0: move off of him. Yeah, I think my contention on Kirksey is you, you keep him here, get him into training camp, and see how he does in this system, and then make the decision at the right. you know fifty-three man roster <laughs> cut down. and you know it, he may surprise you and still may be a very effective, or at at worst case scenario, be become very good linebacker depth. You right. know, so but yeah, and you know, moving towards free agency. I think the at least on the defensive side of the ball, like we talked about, linebacker has some good, strong – some decent, strong players, and then interior defensive line I think is going to be a point of emphasis. Not only just it should be for Houston, but it's going to be across the league. There's a number of players that are going to be heading into potential extensions, you know, Dexter Lawrence, Christian Wilkins, um, Quinton Williams, players like that, and I think – that's a market that's destined for a uh, little market adjustment. And so Houston could potentially look there, and there's quite a few names that they could be looking at, but at different at different price points as well, right? right. If, whether it's Deron Payne or, or or Hargrave out of Philadelphia, or you drop down. I don't know if Jones out of Denver is really a fit coming out of a 3-4 scheme, but right. you know, there's, there's some players there. So I feel like, you know, Roy Lopez is a as a rotational player. Malik Collins is a is a solid player, but unless they make a big move, a big adjustment in the draft, I feel like interior defensive lines an area that that they could potentially spend at in the in free agency.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah, no, no, that's a good point. I think um, i have obviously looked at the free agency market. I haven't done too much diving into that yet. I mean, obviously, I I've looked at linebackers though, as you mentioned. I know that Tremaine is going to be free agent. About yeah. the free agent. Um, you know, like there's actually some solid pieces at the linebacker spot. Um, D line, haven't looked too much at that because, again, like the way I look at it is like if you got a good D, D if you have a good D tackle or good, you know, three tech nose, whatever, you know, five tech, whatever, they just don't hit the market. <laughs>
0: they know? don't.
1: They do not because it's so hard to find those guys that can legitimately like impact, um, you know, a defense on a play to play basis. So, um they do have to get that shirt up because a lot of the issues were stemmed around the fact that you know their interior defensive line just wasn't wasn't good enough. It got better at the end when Malik Collins got healthy.
0: Yeah, um, he, he really came on the back half of the season. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. every week Absolutely. it just got a little more burst and a little Right, yeah. like
1: you could you could feel when you watch the games, you could feel like Malik Collins' presence playing the mm-hmm. and play out. You know, I am interested to see what Devin Booker looks like. In this scheme in year two, you know, granted he was obviously a rookie step round pick, can't expect too much out of him. But I do wonder what he looks like going into year two in yeah. this in this scheme. So um, they for sure have to address, add some in free agency, and obviously add some in the draft. Um, I would I would prefer probably them going for the free agency route for detail get you another solid player and then obviously you know edge in the um, in the draft. Because um, again, like can't have enough of those guys.
0: The of the alignment. Camera, yeah, you know, and, so. and and free agency is such a crapshoot, and yep. it, you know it's what I tell everybody when it comes to free agency. Not only are you paying market, you know, retail value for the player, but you got to ask yourself well, why is the team letting him walk? Exactly. You know, if a team really wants a player, ninety nine percent of the time they can find a way to keep the player. Very rarely is it just a cash or a cap reason that a player's not resigned. So. You know, unless it's a change, you know, changing system, changing scheme, or there's something going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. But from a performance aspect, that's usually the first question I'm asking is why, why is the player hitting the free market? And it could be just a simple function of, you know, the team is not coming to the same number that him and his agent are seeing. And he wants to see the market and see what his market value is going to be. And, you know, that's one way to take a look at it. But it free agency, it's difficult. It's, I think I wrote about it. So I wrote about it last year on the newsletter, just looking at free agency value, com- looking at the contract APYs versus the OTC valuation number. And only two teams had positive net value from their free agency, free agent signed across the whole. Really? Everybody else was negative value. Who, and then,
1: who, who, who are the two teams?
0: Oh, gosh. Now I have to go back and look. Oh. <laughs> I wrote that one. Many years ago, or many months ago. Oh yeah, no, you find can, it. But,
1: yeah, You can DM but uh yeah,
0: you can DM that to me. Yeah. I'll have to go back and find it and see if I could I was gonna see if I could find it real quick, but I don't think did. back in February. Oh there it is, free H C value. Let's see here real quick. We got a few seconds here. Uh, it was four teams. It was the Steelers, the Rams, the Saints, and the Raiders. Mm. Everybody else was negative value, mm. and your uh, New York Jets were last. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, free agency at the end of the day, it's it's a crapshoot. It's very rare. I mean, Houston, we got spoiled with Jonathan Joseph and that kind of free agency signing, but very rare do you do you nail it? It's usually a one or two deal. But there, I mean, there's some other names on there and. One to ask one name about you with you would be uh, Sheldon rakins You know he's going to be a free agent. Is he going to have any value you think for this type of this type of system?
1: Yeah, I mean he he apparently he had a solid year his last year in New York, so I wouldn't be surprised. You know uh, yeah, that, that that's a really that'd be a good fit because like he's really good at getting a field. Um, he's a really good pass rushing D tackle. Um, the run game he got better in year two in the system. So obviously if he goes into granted he's playing with somebody else alignment, but yeah, he goes into you know, basically, let's say he comes to Houston and he's in that same type of system. You basically his third year, yeah. He, I mean, it would be basically like you know, he already mastered the language per se. So I could see that I could see them possibly going after that after him because you know, I think one thing a lot of us underestimate is the value of having just good players on your roster, qualities, quality, quality starters on your roster. They're not, they may not be stars, they may not even be like baller and pobo players. But, you know, playing and play out, you can count on them to um, execute and do their job. And by them doing their job, that allows the star players around them to make plays. And I think sometimes we kind of get caught up. We, we lose sight of the uh, of the fact that if you don't have good players or, or quality players around your stars, your stars won't be able to show you why they are stars. You know what I'm saying? So
0: Yeah, no, definitely on that you know, I think linebacker and safety are probably the only other two areas that free agency has some value, but I think linebacker it's kind of really top heavy. I think yeah. you know, there's two or three players at the top and then beyond there, it's uh kind of more rotational players, but I think TJ Edwards who's playing, you know, obviously playing this weekend and, uh, yeah, you know, I think a lot. Of the big name is Tremaine Edmonds out of out of Buffalo is going to be probably one of the most sought out after linebackers if if Buffalo is not able to retain him. Leighton Van D'Aash up at uh out of Denver, I mean Denver, Dallas. You know that that might be a player. And then the there's a kid out of uh, out of um, the Chargers, I think. Drew Tr- Tranquil. Trying to-
1: yeah, I know, I know, I know who you're talking
0: about. That's the name that's been kind of creeping up a little bit on the uh on my timeline and then another one which uh Ryan dropped in the comment box Devin Bush I, that one I don't know he's he's young he's only 24 his value his numbers this year I mean he was healthy all year but I don't I'm not sure I have to dive in more and like like DJ said we still got plenty of time to
1: right.
0: really dive heavy into to free agency but you know I just kind of want to take a 30,000 foot view and get your take on it and the other side of the ball I think, I think offensive line. I think the center position. I feel like this this offensive line. If Kenyon Green can take that next step forward in this system, I think this team is potentially a center away from being relatively good offensive line. You know, top yeah. half the top half of the league, top twelve, yep. that kind of thing like that. You know, Questenberry's not it. You know, Britt he's going to retire, and this team and there's really only two centers that are going to probably fit in this type of scheme, which is Bradbury out of Minnesota. And then uh, Ethan Posick out of, out of Cleveland. And then the, you know, the center out of, out of Carolina, Bozeman, I think he's more of a, a power scheme guy. I'm not really sure he would fit in this type of that, that West coast zone scheme, but is, is that kind of your read on the situation with the offensive line that they're, they're on the, they're on the cusp, you know, they just. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. yeah I mean, you, you think about it. I was you know, I was doing some some research uh, when I was doing my uh you know my thing on the Miko Ryan's that dropped, I believe yesterday. You know, I looked at the opposite line, they only allowed 38 sacks, which is 13 fuels in the NFL. You know, so like that's pretty good. Like they basically had a thousand yard running back and Damian Pierce, like it's not like Damien Pierce could do that all by himself. So the line is actually like in a, a smooth spot to where like a guy like let's say you drive Bryce Young, right? Bryce Young has to go to a spot where the O line is good. He's too, He's just not big enough to handle an O line that's not, you know. And some guys like you know Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, those guys were able to play behind bad offensive lines to start their career and still produce at a high level. Bryce probably won't be that guy, because Bryce is five ten. You know, 190, 195 So you and if you don't want to put your young quarterback under that type of pressure, and because you have two outliers, doesn't mean you want to make that the norm. Um. So yeah. So I completely agree with you that you know if they improve the center spot you know, they could take that next step. I would say go to the draft route and you can find a guy because then you can get them at a cost. Instance, most centers don't go first round anyway. That yeah. Tyler bomb yeah. was considered one of the best pro, you know, to, uh, center prospects in years, and yeah. he didn't go to the top 15, I believe. So you won't have to, you know, draft one in the first round, and you can get one second, third, maybe fourth round. That could be a day one start. You can get high value contract-wise on those guys, not not paying them a dime because you're going to have to pay some still again. You going to pay, yep. possibly pay, you know, your right tackle. So you're going to have a lot of resources allocated onto the offensive line to begin with. So it'd be better to, you know, go to draft route so you can get some. I guess you could say some, you know, have more cap flexibility. Versus if you go and pay for a center on open market, you're going to pay almost, you know, ten ten a year or not ten a year, but you know, five to ten a year, uh, which doesn't seem like much, but when you add it up, it can be, you know, across the roster, it can be a decent amount. I mean, you have a uh, Connor McGovern from the Jets, who yeah. obviously ran this same exact type of scheme. Um, he he could be a plug-and-play guy. Now, he he's exactly, you know, he's an average center. He's going to be solid. Is he going to, you know, do too much? Is he going to do, you know, mess-up plays? But that's another option. I know you didn't mention him, but that's another option.
0: Yeah, he, he was on the list. You know, I think he turns 30 this year, but we've seen offensive linemen – are able to play a little bit longer in their age versus other positions. And he was one name that's been a bit on my list. I, you know, I, I think my, my assessment is right in line with yours that he's a plug and play. He's not going to be flashy. He's not going to make huge mistakes, but he's not going to be one of the anchor points on that line as well. You know, but he's not going to cost you games, but he's not going to win you games per se. So, you know, that would bet, you know, That'd be kind of be my read on that. That'd be kind of be like option three, something like that. But you know, the the centers in the draft, it's there's a couple of good ones, and then it really drops off pretty quick from my initial read. So it's a, maybe maybe things will change in the next uh 80-something days. But you mentioned Bryce Young, so I I gotta ask you, um what who's DJ's QB one on the draft board right now?
1: Uh QB one, um I gotta I have to dive in some more, but you know, I really did like what I saw from CJ Stroud in that that Georgia game. And I wasn't I wasn't that much of a, a Shroud fan going into that game, but you know, he basically showed you everything that you want to see in a quarterback. Um so I think I would lean, I would still lean towards Bryce because Bryce has a longer track record of playing at that type of level on the big stage, doing the off script stuff being able to play within a rhythm and still be able to, you know, slice you up. Um, Obviously, Stroud can play within a rhythm. That's what he does a lot. But we just never saw, like, off-script stuff, um, that playmaking ability. So, obviously, do you weigh that one game? Yeah. Let that outweigh everything else you saw from Bryce. Um, Not really too sure, But I would say Bryce, 1A, Stroud, 1B, and Anthony Richardson, 3. Um, To be honest, I would – I just wish that, you know, Richardson just had a little bit more production to really be able to justify him at two. Because just went at two. You can't whiff on that. Ex, ex, ex the York. <laughs> <You know>?
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and you've got to have a kind of a bridge option in place, whether Mills is that guy or not. you got to have some type of bridge option in place for, for Richardson, I think. I, I'm not opposed to right. making him to have back, out. you know, middle – middle of the first round, back after the first round if you if you didn't take QB at two and you moved back from twelve or something like that. Right. Definitely not opposed to that if you have another another option in place to carry over until he's ready. Um he seems to have quite a bit of a ceiling according to yeah. Many he of the ceiling.
1: Like right right
0: yeah. His,
1: his ceiling is is, you know, basically top five top of talent. Just his floor is way also- <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah.
0: That's a big big space to fill in there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I kind of wanted to get your take on that and, you know, got a lot of questions up on the board and you know, if you, if you just hopped in DJ from DJ BNMA from ESPN, who covers the Texans is joining us tonight. Uh, this is the cap and trade show. I'm your host at Texans cap. Follow me on Twitter. Uh, if you've been posting up questions in the comments, just hang tight. I will throw them up on the board for DJ to, to answer and I'll give my feedback as well on whatever we can get to. Uh, got about, about 10, 15 more minutes here. So i got a couple more questions for DJ before we get to the questions. Um, do you have – speaking of the draft, I mean, I, I saw one thing on Twitter when I, I think Landry was kind of talking about veteran quarterbacks. I had pitched the idea – wasn't my idea. It was more just a an option of Derek Carr and – I think you responded no pretty much to like any veteran quarterback options instead of drafting a quarterback. Is that kind of the path that you're you're leaning towards at the point at this point in time is no, not not a veteran quarterback. Let's get a young guy, let's draft the future and and head down that path.
1: Yeah, the only guy I could like see is like Jimmy G. That's like That's it. But like more is like the bridge guy where you're not paying him anything. hmm That's it. Like you're on know, like a mention Trubisky type deal. That's it. Derek Carr, you bring Derek Carr to the Texans like like, Texans weren't a quarterback away from competing in the AFC. They might have been quarterback away from winning the division, but that's because division was bad. Yeah. <laughs> so um yeah, no, I was I, I was I was anti that because again, like you don't get the benefits of having a quarterback on a rookie contract, you know, and being able to stockpile that roster with young talent mm. and veteran talent. And being able to, I mean, can, can you see what Philly's doing right now. You know, I'm saying, granted, like there's various ways because obviously Mahomes is also in Super Bowl and he's I don't remember what he got contract either. You know, like he's getting a lot of money, but obviously like, he's a top five quarterbacks to ever exist. So um, yeah, like I'm, I'm always you know go young, try to build it up that way mm-hmm. and hope that you strike on a quarterback. You know, because again, like you get a guy like Derek Carr, like is he? We saw what he was in Oakland when the roster wasn't that good and he couldn't like lift them above that. So there's no reason to think that if you bring a man at that money. You'll be able to like, when add the pieces around him to help elevate him on top of the fact and and him elevate you along with that. So yeah, that That doesn't make any sense.
0: Nah, I I hear you. I've been, I've been on the Bryce Young train since about, since about October and I don't plan on jumping off, but I mean, I do throw up the random, Random suggestions on Twitter. And that's not, you know, for the folks that are, that read that, that's not me advocating for those ideas. I just like to propose options out there to see what the other paths, you know, the team may be able to take whenever I mention Jacoby Brissett versus uh, Derek Carr or any other pass. But, you know, I'm very much a Bryce Young and and let's go. And hopefully he's there at number two. And hopefully the team doesn't have to draft up to move up to number one to to get around it. But we'll have to plenty of time for those uh, smoke and mirror games let's see here so we'll uh dj let's if you can let's do a few questions from the folks here and then uh I got one off one off topic question for you at the end would the west Coast offense suit Davis Mills if we don't pick a QB in the draft
1: I would say so um yeah I would say so because Davis prefers to play you know Davis prefers to play so let me let me let me break it down. Based on what my knowledge is on what offensive coordinators from that system prefer to do, they're gonna have like they don't really. It's called a peer progression where you kind of read left to right instead of like some court. You know, some officers you gotta read the safety. Like you wanna read the safety see what cover what shell they're in, so you can know what, it's kind of an idea what coverage they're in, things of that nature, um, and go from there. But in the West Coast and Kyle Shanahan, they kind of want you to kind of focus on like a player. Or a couple players and kind of read off of them, so the coverage sometimes may not matter. And then if if let's say the the your original read is open because off of what that player is doing, you kind of throw the ball into that space. So a lot of it is a lot of it's hands on with the offensive coordinator where they're trying to like basically guide you through the play. That's kind of why like you know, um, Jared Goff couldn't take that next step with the Rams because like once like Sean McVeigh was like all right, I kinda need you to like take that next step and kinda like create for me if I'm not if I'm not necessarily correct because eventually like defensive coordinators kinda pick up on your tendencies and they take away that initial first read based off of what you're trying to do and they kinda counter that and go from there. Um which is why they kinda had some issues with um Dick Bangio's defense based off what I've read because and, and Staley to a lesser extent because they're really good at disguising completely. Um <clears throat> back to my original point. Um I think, yes, Mills could fit that because Mills, if his first read is there, the play is cooked up the exact way it's designed, he can execute that. We saw that against the Raiders, right? The Raiders, Pat Hamilton was in his bag. He was consistently ahead of Pat, um, the Raiders defense coordinator, Pat Graham's um, uh, blitzes and man coverages, and he was consistently finding plays to counter that. So if you do that, Mills can most definitely do that issue. like when that first read isn't there, what can those do then? So,
0: yeah, I, I mean, for the most part, could he do it? Yeah, I mean, he could do it. I, I think I'm not trying to say, not trying to compare him against Brock Purdy, but you know, we see you, you see what different style quarterbacks are, and that that offense is still continue to, to to do well, but they also have tons of playmakers as well on that offense, and that's something Houston still needs to work on. So, but let's just. You know, let's hope. I don't know what the fan base's reaction would be if the team tried to Davis I mean, it would be exactly over really quick. And I, and yeah, I agree with you. And I do not foresee the McNairs and this t- organization killing all of this momentum that they have by trotting him back out there. It's, you know, it is what it is. It's, you know, it's a, the team is taking a new direction and Davis Mills will be just a very good, low priced backup for this team for the next two years and, you know, maybe he'll find a different, different option next year. I'm not, I'm not definitely not, not, not for trading him or anything like that. I think he's a a great backup option and the team probably can sign a, a a very low cost, uh older veteran to bring into camp, things like that. But that would be uh, our take on that. Let's see here. Gridiron says, give bag of money to Ron Payne. Yeah. We talked about that. I mean, it, my buddy over at PFF Brad Spielberger he pegged um Deron Payne at 20 million a year with 55 guaranteed over 4 years and that's you know but like like DJ said if you got that rookie contract at the quarterback position then that the that man. allows you to reallocate all that you know available cap dollars to other positions on the on the mm-hmm. roster so you know i think and then Hargay and uh, Javon Hargrave at uh, they got him pegged at like eighteen point three million per year, but he's I think thirty or thirty one, so he's a little bit older than Dron Payne. But those are going to probably be your top two interior guys. I don't have any problem giving him the bag of money. You know, if he fits the scheme and and the coach's staff and and everybody agrees that he'll work well here, then you know by all means go for it. <laughs> by all means. Ryan thinks Deron Payne's getting a tag. I've, I saw that. I saw that a few times today, and I don't I have to kind of wait and see. I mean, it, they've got a lot of money invested in Jonathan Allen, who plays next to uh, Payne on that, you know, at the defensive tackle spot. They, they're sitting around eight and a half million dollars in cap space over in Washington. They've got some money they can free up with Montez Sweat. Maybe do an extension on him. They can probably do some restructures. Whether hopefully they don't want to try to touch the Carson Wentz contract, but if they had to dive into that when they could. Um, Jonathan Allen, they could do restructure, Curtis Samuel, Charles Leno, things like that. So, but that I just have a hard time believing they're gonna tag him unless it's a they're trying to tag and trade, which I think is a shitty thing to do. And it's against the CBA, but nobody ever wants to challenge it. All right, let's see here. Mr. Crumpler says, "What's which positions have free agent markets? You would avoid if you were Houston. I would avoid running back. I don't. Well, everybody knows I don't like to pay running backs. Um, I think this is a very strong running back class from free agency, and then there's about you know, and this is a pretty good running back draft class as well. So I'm not in the." Not in the camp of spending ten, you know, ten, twelve million dollars a year on a Josh Jacobs or Tony Pollard or something like that. I mean, they're great running backs. Don't get me wrong, but I just think that's money that should be spent elsewhere. And I don't know if you have any different opinion on that, DJ. No, nah,
1: no. I mean, you already got Damian Pierce.
0: I mean, yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a, he can't be a bell cow though, right? I mean, yeah, no, I like,
1: you, you just trust
0: him. He's going to need help, and right. but you don't need to spend that kind of that kind of investment at the position I think there's other players you know maybe a little bit down the list you know Raheem Mostert um, I don't know if, if Deont- Deontay Foreman would fit a zone style scheme but you know he's a player maybe Darius Johnson out of out of Cleveland if they let him walk Jet McKinnon who uh, has some time in the San Francisco system before he went to KC um, you know but Jeff Wilson's also with Miami you know there's Trenton Cannon, I know uh, he didn't play at all this year, but he still might have a little bit of burst. And there's just, I think there's plenty of options to look at beyond the top four or five running backs. Would be my my one position to avoid, and then the other position to avoid is going to be free agency because there's nobody there, and you're going to end up overpaying for for somebody who's a wave two type of type of player.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree there.
0: Yeah. So, is PJ staying at free safety in this scheme? I'll leave that one to you Good D. question.
1: That's a good question. Um, Guess
0: what? We'll to wait and see.
1: Actually, that's what we got. Okay. So, in this scheme, the safeties are, are uh, interchangeable. So, it doesn't matter. They're both play Someone will be a, both time they'll be a free. Sometimes, you know, won't be a free, won't be in the box, and vice versa. So, they're interchangeable. Okay.
0: So. Anything on tight ends?
1: How do you feel about Jordan Ankins? I I, I like what I saw from him down the stretch, you know? Like, like, obviously, you grab somebody, but, like, I think, like, if you go into it again with Jordan Ankins, because I think he had, like, five receiving touchdowns, like, I think, like, you'll be okay, you know? Like, you do have to upgrade eventually, but, good. I mean, there's not – a tight end that can block and catch, all right, they're never going to hit the market. Right. Those guys not hit the market because it's impossible to find those guys, so <laughs> –
0: yeah, I mean there you know, I, I think I'm not sure if the the course has been set for Brevin Jordan. I, I just not sold on him. So I think Jordan Akins is definitely somebody you try to re-sign back on another one year deal for, you know, three and a half, four million dollars. The draft has some has some popular names on date, you know, late day one, early day two, but you still need that inline type of tight end. I know Akins can do it a little bit. But I think the team definitely needs to find a good blocking tight end to pair with Akins and whatever else tight end, whether it's a draft or or a free agent and you can definitely spend some money there. I mean, you can, I really, I don't think, I mean, we see Gasecki in Miami and what happened in that scheme. So I really don't peg him as a, as an option, but and Dalton Schultz is going to be a top of the market uh, free agent when it comes to it. I was, I was, Big on him. I was excited to potentially look at him, but I, I feel like I feel like there's other areas to to invest instead of investing heavily in free agency in the tight end spot. Um, draft wise, I think there's you know, Kincaid and and I'm trying to remember that other kid's name. Yeah, we'll dig into it when he gets here. But I mean Like you said, Jordan Dickens. I'm definitely not opposed to bringing him back on another one-year deal, three or four, you know, three or four million dollars, you know, one and a half guaranteed, something like that. And you know, he'd probably be another good contributor. He stayed healthy all year, and uh, you know, definitely put up some numbers. And I don't see how that would decrease with this with this scheme and with this system. What would y'all do at pick twelve from Joe Nathan? Eh. <laughs> there's so much you could do there. Um there's a lot. I mean you could trade back, you can go wide receiver, you can go edge, and you know, I think we'll have a ton of time to get into that. So Yeah, that would not, depend
1: on what they do in free agency.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Let's see yeah. here if there's any other. Uh, there's a couple other questions, but uh I think majority of them we've either covered or not stuff that we uh <laughs> that we uh not really answered yet. Why is stream not sponsored by Coke Zero yet? I don't know, <laughs> Brian. As, as my agent, you can uh, seek out that deal. All right. So before we get you out here, DJ, I had noticed it was a couple weeks back. You had this is completely off topic, off, off sports, everything. You had sent out a tweet about um PS Five and Dragon Ball game, and it made me wonder: Are you a Dragon Ball fan?
1: Dragon Ball. I never watched Dragon Ball, but I watched Dragon Ball Z and
0: Super. Or, what? Yeah, what so I mean, in general, Dragon Ball Z. Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. I, mean, I watched Super the other day. Good. Yeah, I, I always randomly rewatch Super from time to time. Um, I like Super. I'm waiting for like the new season to come out. Obviously, I don't read the manga because the manga is kind of that's cheating. I don't use that word. I just I like to I like to not know what's gonna happen. Like I already know at the end, like Goku might come and save the day or whatever. But yeah. You know, I I prefer not to, not to know. So I'm waiting on them to make a new game for the P5 because the last one they made, um, I didn't like it too much. I think it was on the P4. I didn't like it too much. Kakarot because like it was like you know single player. And I don't really care to play single player anymore. I like like what makes the game fun for me is like being able to fight other people.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like I already know the story. Like I watched yep. it a million times. Yeah. Like.
0: It's good good to know that I've got another Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball Super fan in the press box now because I'm a huge fan of it. So it's good good to know that uh, somebody else up there has the same interest. <laughs> well, I appreciate the time tonight, sir. Uh, covered a lot of ground. Uh, you know, if you're not following DJ, does a ton of good work, work for ESPN at DJ BNMA on, uh, on Twitter. And... Uh, like I said, sir, I appreciate the time and I appreciate the insight. And uh I'm sure we'll we'll talk again here in the near near future.
1: All right, cool, man. Appreciate you having me on. All right.
0: All right. Well, with that, we'll uh go ahead and uh close it down and and uh with that let's see here. One thing I wanted to mention before we bolt out of here. Um another great show. appreciate it, truth. So Next show is going to be Wednesday for sure. Um, I've got a good guest coming up. It's uh, Mr. Randy Mueller, who is the, hopefully, if his schedule can holds up on me, um, he's the GM of XFL Seattle Dragons, I think. Works for you know does a podcast on the athletic former NFL GM for Minnesota and the and the Saints so really excited to chat with him next week get some uh, contract philosophy talk and salary cap talk and really kind of geek out with him try to get his uh, outside perspective on Houston so you know definitely come back next Wednesday for that I'm trying to see if the schedule works for a late Friday evening solo show I've been doing some prep on. Uh, Agba Okorowanko contract. Um, I've got some thoughts on that. So, if I can squeeze in the time, Sat, you know, Friday night or Saturday night. Obviously, you know, we had to do these things pretty late. I'll uh, we'll try to do another contract building session. Uh, I had a lot of fun doing the Laramie Tunsil contract session that we did last Wednesday. Uh, if you didn't wa- if you didn't get to see that, you know, check the the YouTube channel, the Cap and Trade uh, YouTube channel, and you'll you'll see the, the Tunsil contract show. And I kind of want to do something similar. It seemed to get a lot of, a lot of good feedback from everybody who watched that one asked for, you know, to do a few more of those I'm getting a lot of requests on Titus Howard. I not, don't think we're there yet with him. I, I'm not sure the team's going to look at an extension with him before the season starts. But if we do a, a contract show on Howard, it'd probably be after the draft, but I'm looking at, uh, like I said, Okoronkwo. I think he's a, a good extension candidate for this team and he's going to get probably some, probably some suitors on the free agency market as well. So I'll, uh, you know, be a lookout on the, on the Twitter timeline. If Twitter continues to work, who knows if it's going to work tomorrow or not, or the next day. Um, But, you know, keep an eye out. If I'm able to get that show together and get the numbers together in time, then we'll, do a little Q and a and and building another contract maybe Friday or Saturday night. So, um, I think that's about it for tonight. I appreciate everybody tuning in. I appreciate all the questions and we will see y'all very soon. If not, we'll see you next Wednesday. Everybody have a good evening. Thanks.